Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Food of Thought podcast. I do not have an intro for you today. I am sorry about that, um, but we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm not going to be covering an, an ancient idea or a branch of mathematics. I'm going to talk about something that has really been on my mind a lot lately, and it is something that's more like a current topic, and it's something that has been a little bit on theme because we've done quite a couple, quite a few episodes, um, especially the last couple, on this topic on philosophy. Um, not philosophy as in, oh, I wonder what happens after we die, or if you have one person strapped that you know on a train track and four people that are strangers, not that kind of philosophy, the philosophy of life, a philosophy by which you live. Um, the Me and my dad were talking about the, the parameters through which you uh, interpret reality around you. We're going to be talking about that, uh, a philosophy to living, um, and some problems that I, that I have noticed um, surrounding that. So, before we get there, though, um, let's talk a little bit about the Food for Thought coffee company, a.k.a. the Philosophical Bean. It's what I'm drinking right now. If you're watching uh, the YouTube video, which, folks, if you guys would prefer to hear my dulcet tones as well as look at my beautiful face, you can watch videos now um, available on YouTube. Um, so if you're watching on uh, on YouTube, then you can see I am both drinking the Philosophical Bean coffee in the Food for Thought mug, which will be available for purchase soon. As soon as I, I, I like this mug a lot, um, but it, it's not my favorite. It's a little bit too small. It's not uh, one of those nice, hefty mugs. So I'm going to be trying to find somebody else that will make them. Um, but anyways, you can look for that soon as well, as well as maybe possibly a couple of t-shirts. Um, anyways, without further ado, let's get into the episode today. Alrighty, folks. So this is this is a, a topic that I think has become a little bit of a hobby horse of mine. Talking about philosophy, talking about the way that we make decisions uh, and decision making in general. Um, maybe even more than decision making, uh, critical thinking, which those kind of they kind of go hand in hand. Um, there is something that I've noticed. And uh, it's an observation that I have been making for the last, I would say, two years, uh, especially over the last year and um, when I've been in college. And it is the subscriptionization of philosophy. So of, I, I could say, yeah, the subscriptionization of philosophy. Um, it's not a secret, it's not a mystery that uh, philosophy, or not philosophy, I'm sorry, subscription services are very much on the rise. Um, I am, in fact, writing a, an, an article on this, or what you can call it an essay, or whatever you want to call it, um, which will be available eventually when I'm done with it. But in it, I've looked at how uh, subscription services have been taking over everything. And right now, it's like a, a $200 billion industry, um, but economists uh, and like business finance people are placing it at a, a, a multi-trillion dollar industry within the next, uh, within the next five to ten years. 
um, by 2030. They're saying that it's going to reach the trillions in an industry, and it, it's risen so quickly, so so swiftly, um, by like 235 percentages. Like that's how fast it's rose, and like every year, uh, for like that 275 percent, something ridiculous like that since its like inception. But in the last years, like 40 percent increase every year. Uh, and, and we can see this everywhere. We can see it in how we watch television now. Nobody watches cable anymore. They're using streaming services. When you're listening to music, when you're ordering coffee, I mean, you can subscribe and every month a, bo- a bag of coffee shows up. Uh, even clothes. People are buying clothes by box subscription. That's one of the articles. Um, I forget who was doing it Um but that was one of the first early articles that I found is why um, subscription clothes is go- or box subscription box services are going to take over the future. I mean, you can literally subscribe to meals. I mean, you order meal plans and they send them to you pre-made and everything um, because of ease of use. That is, I think I just stumbled upon the key reason right there. Uh, it, it's the ease of use of subscription services that is making them so, so potent in our society today. You can subscribe to drinks, you can subscribe to food, you can subscribe to clothes. Anything you want, you can subscribe to. I mean, the music you listen to is all based on subscription services. I mean, there's times when I want to just buy something outright, but I cannot. I cannot simply just purchase like uh, the editing software that I wanted to originally use for my podcast. I wanted to use Adobe. I wanted to just buy it outright. I didn't care how much it was. I would have spent $200 to have it outright. Um, but that was not an option. I had to subscribe to a monthly plan for everything in life now. Everything is subscription services. And that, you know, it spawns from uh, things in the 20s when you could uh, pay on loan. So you could take it now and pay later over time, um, but you still were reaching a final sum cost. At the end, this will cost you um, $20,000 to buy this new car, but we'll separate it into payments. And then some brilliant person was like, well, what if we just never had an end? What if we just never said this is what it actually costs? No, it's just 10 bucks a month. Well, for how long? Eh, forever. That's that's what it is, and uh, there's a there was a big news. I think it was either BMW or like Mercedes or one of those luxury car things. Um, that when you buy the car, it comes with features, but you have to subscribe to BMW Plus to access the heated seats. I think it was the specific thing, and whoever was talking about it, uh, it was probably Matt Walsh, knowing myself. Um, Whoever was talking about it said, well, uh, soon it's going to be, well, yeah, you bought the car, but if you want access to the radio, you have to subscribe to BMW Plus, or you have to subscribe to use your brakes, and oh, sorry, you didn't make your monthly deposit for the subscription services of BMW Plus, so now your brakes aren't active, and that's a little bit of a leap, obviously, but things are getting to be that way. Uh, You're subscribing to everything, so it's natural uh, that that would fall over into other categories of existence. Um, my observation has been that is sub- where subscriptionization, subscriptionizing, it's not really a real word. I made that word up, obviously. There's no sub- subscriptionization. It's not a thing. It's a, it's a, I, I made that word up. But everything is going the way of the subscription, up to and including the way that people live their lives because of a lack of critical thinking and ultimately a lack of discernment. Um, 
interestingly enough, my father has uh, made a whole business around this idea, and I wonder if that could possibly be where I get my curiosity in this fact as well. What my dad calls it is contextual intelligence, um, and that is the solution. And so there's a shameless plug for you, Dad. Go read my dad's book, Contextual Intelligence. But essentially, it's, it's a complete lack of the ability to think about things in a critical manner. And I think we talked a little bit of thinking about our thinking. People don't do that anymore. Um, and they haven't been doing it for a long time. And I, I've made these observations because I am probably the only one in my family who likes to look at political things and listen to political commentators. I'm a big fan of Matt Walsh and, and Michael knows. I actually don't care a whole lot for Ben Shapiro. I mean, he's very fascinating, but I don't enjoy listening to him as much as I like Matt Walsh because, you know, Matt Walsh is who I aspire to be like one day. Um, but I love listening to him. I love listening to Jordan Peterson. I love listening to Joe Rogan. I like I like all of those things. But I've made the observation that those people can be problematic if you only listen to them. And same thing for the other side. I'm not aware of, of a, a whole a large amount of people who are on the left. But the interesting thing is those people, uh, Joe Rogan, uh, there's another guy that I like a lot, James Lindsay, uh, Jordan Peterson. These people are not right-wing people, but they have been adopted into the fold of the right-wing political party people. And that's a problem. Um, because what people are doing now is they listen to these extremely intellectual, uh, very obviously extremely intelligent people. Like, I like Jordan Peterson. He's an extremely intelligent man, but he is, uh, and he talks a lot about God, but he's not a Christian. Uh, not a Christian as, as, as I would say a Christian is. He talks about all of these things, but he's really not, he's not all that. He's not actually a conservative individual, which is fine. It's not a problem at all. But the problem is, is a lot of conservatives are subscribing to his ideas. And they're not ideas that he even believes in fully. He talks about uh, God. He talks about all of these things and, and what, the symbol, what the symbology of it means. But then he leaves out the biography part of the Bible. He goes, oh, well, mythologically or psychologically this means this. Yeah, but it's also biographically that as well. And uh, people like Joe Rogan talk a lot about all of these ideas. Um, but he's not, we know he's, he's actually a very liberal person. He believe he does drugs. He does, he's a big alcohol guy. He, I mean, he, which is fine, you know, that's not fine. I think on the drug stuff, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're not very beneficial and he has a lot. I mean, he believes a lot of the liberal ideas when it comes to social institutions, when it comes to, um, he's a fan of the concept of universal basic income. He is not in favor of of it as it is now, but he is a fan of the concept of those kind of more uh, left-wing ideas, um, which is fine. But the problem is, is conservatives are citing him as a source. Oh, well, Joe Rogan says this. Uh, Jordan Peterson says this. Uh, Tim Dillon says this. James Lindsay says All these people are saying these ideas, and they don't think about what they're doing. What they're doing is this. They're saying, oh, well, some guy of repute that I know of who is commonly associated with somebody who aligns with my ideals about how life should be lived said this thing, this following thing, that we shouldn't do this or that we should do that. And the problem is, is it's removing the burden of proof for them to think about the ideas themselves. They're not thinking, well, do I actually agree with that? 
do I actually, is this something I actually want to stake a reputation on? Oh, well, when they're questioned about uh, a certain topic or why they believe what they believe, they don't say, well, I think, um, I think this and I think that, and, and this is my idea. This is why I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. This is why I think that um, evolution is not real. This is why I think this, this is for anything. They'll say, oh, well, you know, Jordan Peterson has something really great to say about that, and this is what he says. And you know what? I agree with a lot of what Jordan Peterson says, and that's fine. But do I agree with the way he goes about doing things? No, I don't. He's got um, a, a, a four-part series that he does on masculinity. And I agree with 85, 80% of what he says in that. But do I agree about the reasons that he's, the, like, the, the, like, ends justifying the means? The way that he goes about saying it, I disagree with some of the reasons why he says what it is. Because I think some of the components of masculinity have to come from this spiritual aspect and has to come from this um, inherent thing imbued inside of us by God, when God created us. Jordan Peterson doesn't believe that. He believes there's a psychological reason for why we do this or why we do that, or an evolutionary reason for why we do this and why we do that. He might be correct in the end result. But there's a huge, huge important distinction between, oh, well, this happened, and it's we got to this point because of evolution, or or psychological reasons or developmental, cognitive, cognitive developmental stuff, or God created us and imbued this into us. There's a huge difference there. And if I say, well, Jordan Peterson has this to say about that, then I kind of just remove this burden of why Why do I agree with that? When I say, when I just pass it off as, oh, well, Jordan Peterson has something really good to say about that. But I don't think about it for myself. If I don't know why I believe that, it causes a problem because if you're having a conversation with maybe somebody who you, you're not um, disagreeing with them on, it's, it's, some, it's a friend of yours, and they're questioning, you're just talking about stuff, and you just throw this out there, but you give no proof beyond oh, well, Jordan Peterson said that. It's not going to matter astronomically for the person you're talking to in that context, but for yourself, it can create a kind of doubt about why you believe what you believe. It, and that is one of the things that I have seen in my own life with friends of mine who have kind of fallen off the edge, or, or I can see it over and over again at my college campus, of people who when questioned even slightly about something, they really have like, oh, I don't really know why I believe that. And it's because they're not actually thinking about things. They are subscribing to ideas. They are subscribing to uh, anybody, anybody who they want, anybody who says something that they agree with, they subscribe to that person's ideas. And that is a problem because, not because it's inconvenient, because you know what, Jordan Peterson or Joe Rogan or any of these people, they uh, they are right about things. And, there's, and it, there's not a problem in the world with agreeing with what they are saying. But how they're saying it is very important, why they're saying it is very important, and it's important if you agree with everybody 100% of everything that they say, there's something wrong with you. There's a lack of personality development with you. I don't even agree with my dad on every single thing that he says. I agree with a, a whole lot of it, but there's experiences that I've had that he hasn't had. There's experiences uh, that me and my brother grew up in the same house, the same house with the exact same parents. 
and me and my brother could not be more opposite uh, personality-wise. And there's a lot of things that my brother agrees on and that I disagree on, um, that he believes in that I don't believe in. And it's because we're different people. So if you have found yourself liking this specific person who's a, a commentator about whatever it is, and you agree with 100% of everything they say all the time, there is, uh, you're lying to yourself. There's a, there's a development problem, not with like not saying you're handicapped, but with your critical thinking skills. Um, because... You are a different person than them. So there has to be an aspect that a, a revelation, one might even say, about a topic that has not occurred to this person that has occurred to you. And if you can't fish that out for yourself, because that is a revelation that you have got is valuable for you and oftentimes you alone. And you have to be able to grasp a whole lot. You have to be able to actually find that. You have to be able to utilize that for yourself in the way that you're perceiving the world that needs to become a part of your philosophy and how you are interacting with the people around you and we have a, a whole swath of people uh, especially people in my generation my age who have subscribed to all of these ideas about which they don't know a whole lot because there's a lot of things um, that Jordan Peterson talks about, okay? He's a very intelligent man, and I can't say that enough. He's an extremely intelligent man. Pardon me for one second as I pour some more coffee. Very in front of the camera for those watching on YouTube. This is the Philosophical Bean Coffee, and it is just as delicious as it looks. And I just smelt it, and it's just as delicious as it smells. So go buy some. Anyways... Jordan Peterson is an extremely intelligent man, and he talks about a lot of things, but a lot of the ideas that he's talking about, the philosophical ideas, uh, the psychological ideas, pardon me, um, I don't, I can't comprehend a lot of the, the, um, the jargon of his profession, okay? Or when Joe Rogan has on somebody who is a, an astrophysicist, I might say, yeah, that sounds right, but do I really know anything about what they're actually talking about? Can I actually comprehend, um, if it's an astrophysicist, an actual concept that he's describing? No, I can't. But a lot of people will still, if they hear anything relative to that topic, they'll say, oh, you know what, I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and this, 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 and that. This is what this guy was saying, and I think that's really cool. But they're passing that knowledge off as something that they actually understand, but they don't because they haven't taken the time to question it and learn it and research it itself. The same concept applies when they're talking about a philosophical idea. Um, and one of the big problems that I have perceived, and this is my opinion, is... Politics has so inculcated itself into our everyday lives and into a degree that I don't think the Founding Fathers ever thought possible. These large national issues about abortion, about transgenderism, about all of the, about building a border wall, about any, anything that the news is talking about now is stuff that I don't think the Founding Fathers had originally thought would penetrate our society so much. It was always supposed to be way more localized than this. You care about your city, and then your town, or your, your neighborhood, then your city, and then your state. And that's pretty much it. And the federal government will do what the federal government will do. But everything has become so politicized, and everybody has subscribed to one uh, political party or another, Overall, some people will say that they're more center or, or whatever it is. That's not the point. 
But so then they'll hear these commentators that they like, that they have subscribed to their ideas. So whatever Jordan Peterson is going to say about this topic is what I'm going to agree because I, I like Jordan Peterson. But do I actually know the consequences for myself of what will happen? Because you grant so much faith in that moment when you say, whatever Jordan Peterson says, I'm going to agree with because he's a smart guy and I like what he says about this or that or, or whatever it is. But we're trusting that they have done their research and that wherever they got their research from is true as well. So I'm not saying that you can't agree with what these people say. What I'm saying is don't pass that knowledge off for as your own, as what you actually don't act like you actually understand it if you don't understand it. And also, be very cautious with who you just blindly uh, accept, who, who you subscribe to. The philosophies of what you subscribe to is very, very important. Um, I want to say it is in John is that we are supposed to test the spirits that come to us. Uh, and I think that philosophies at large, are these ideas by which people will take and interpret reality through, are spirits. Um, and I think that there are good spirits and that there are bad spirits. And we have to test the spirits as they come to us. Because, because inherently a philosophy is a, it's a deeply, as a lot of people in the world say, a deeply psychological thing. But I think the mind is is both uh, spiritual and and physical. It's it's kind of a middle ground. It's it's the soul, in my opinion, and it's the middle ground between psychology and or or, or uh, spirituality and, and physicality. And inherently, ideas have a soul to them, just as I talked about. Words have a soul. Um, ideas are shared through that medium of words. And so when we're taking in an idea about anything, a concept about something, there's a spirit behind that, a, a motivating factor that led someone to speak it. And if you accept that idea, then you are accepting uh, uh, everything that comes along with it. Consequences, there's consequences to our words as there's a consequences to ideas. We talked about with the, the podcast I did on three of the worst books ever written and, and the state of Leviathan. Ideas inherently have a consequence. Why is that? They have a consequence for us personally. If we're accepting this idea, we're accepting the consequences that come with the idea. If I'm accepting the idea that abortion is okay, I'm accepting the consequences that come with that idea. If I'm accepting something that uh, Joe Rogan says on his podcast, and I agree with that idea, I am accepting the consequences that come with that idea. And those consequences are inherently, in my opinion, soulish and spiritual. Um, so if I'm accepting one that has a negative connotation to it, a, a negative spirit behind it, then I am accepting the consequences of that idea, and that has a an, an actual effect on me, along with anybody else whom I share that to. So we have to be diligent to realize, well, where are those ideas coming from? From what spirit are those ideas? I've talked a lot about Epicureanism. That is an idea, it is a philosophy, and it has a spirit. It is inherently the spirit of intellectualism. comes with the ground of accepting the philosophy that is Epicureanism, just as Stoicism also has a philosophy behind it. It is a philosophy. It is a, a metric by which you interpret reality and therefore react to. So if I am of the, the cult of Epicureanism, then I will in, interpret society in a specific way in accordance with those guidelines. If I'm a Stoic, same thing. If I have crafted uh, my philosophy 
as a hodgepodge, hodgepodge, wow, that was a struggle, um, of Joe Rogan's ideas, of um, Tim Dillon's ideas, of Jordan Peterson's ideas, since we keep using Jordan Peterson. Um, but if I've only subscribed to them, and I haven't actually interpreted what they actually mean and, and the philosophies that they took. If I've created this outlook on society based on just these people, but I never took the time to actually critically think about the ideas, and never took the uh, time to actually think about what I think about those ideas, if I just said, oh, well, Jordan Peterson says this, Joe Rogan says this, if I'm just spitting out when I'm questioned what other people are saying, then that is a huge problem because there's an internal turmoil inside of me that I don't actually know what I believe, what why I believe what I believe, or even inherently what I believe. And then, if we go to a place like college, since I'm in college and I'm, I'm, I'm watching people like that, and a lot of times when it's these um, more left-wing ideas, it's not necessarily one person, but what the media says, or, or what's reported by the New York Times. I think that's a big difference between the left and the right uh, political aisles. The left is more big like the New York Times Pew Research Center um, these was uh, the Washington Post they will cite people like they'll cite companies like that while people on the right will say oh well this is what Ben Shapiro is saying this is what Stephen Crowder is saying they'll do that um, not a huge difference in that but a lot of people are who are in college right now are of the left ideals um, and they'll just spit out whatever, these people are saying whatever is on CNN, whatever is on, uh, whatever the New York Times has reported, whatever the Washington Post has uh, determined to be the case on this instance or that instance. Um, and that's the exact same problems arise there as well. But now these, these people have this internal turmoil because they don't inherently know why they believe what they believe. All they know is that this is what the Washington Post has said, and I have subscribed to the Washington Post, maybe literally and figuratively. I have put my trust in them, but I haven't done any critical thinking about why. Because it doesn't even matter if at a fundamental level you do agree with what they're saying. If you don't know why you agree with what they're saying, the same problems can't arise because you need to know what it is that has made you agree with them. This is one thing. I'm going to I'm going to do exactly uh this is one thing that Jordan Peterson has to say about why we admire something. Okay? So I'm I'm falling trap of what I'm talking about as I'm talking about it. But the reason we admire somebody. So he talks about there I know I know why I agree with this. So we admire somebody and then we desire to be like them and so we need to make efforts to be like that person. Okay? Um I think it is because of the spirit. We agree with their spirit. Um, like, I admire Jesus, and I want to aspire to be like him. I aspire to be like Jesus because I am commanded to from the Bible, because he is the perfect human. Uh, he was fully God and fully man. He was the epitome of what we should be like when we're on earth. So I aspire to be like Jesus. I admire him, and I, I desire to be like Jesus because eternity was placed in my heart and Jesus is the only one that can fulfill that. If I admire my father, I am a huge admirer of my father. Our spirits agree with each other. I can see Jesus reflected in some of his actions. Other actions, maybe not. When he spanked me, obviously he was very incorrect. Um, 
I was never abused as a child, by the way. Just going to say that. He was, I was spanked out of love and compassion, and I did something wrong, and it deserved punishment. Anyways, that was supposed to be a joke in there somewhere. You can try to find it. I admire my uncle for the same reasons that I admire my father, because I recognize a spirit of kinship, a spirit that emulates Christ, and I desire to be like that. I think inherently, if I admire anybody, then it's because they are showing some reflection of Jesus or of God, and I desire to be like that because I desire to be the most optimized version of myself. And obviously, that is going to look like Christ. So when I admire somebody, that is the reason why. Jordan Peterson has a completely different idea about that. But I do agree with his uh, assertion that if you admire somebody, you should strive to be like them because there's something about them that rings true to you. I don't think that's true because that's too subjective. Okay. Inherently, if I see a, a serial killer and I admire that serial killer and I desire to be like that serial killer, obviously there is something wrong with me. That does not mean that I should pursue and desire to be like that person or uh, somebody who has extreme narcissist tendencies and I, des- and I admire them for some reason and I desire to be like them. There's obviously something wrong with me. There is an inherent goodness and morality in the world and... That is who we are trying to emulate. Inherently, we admire those people more, obviously. But it's not because of a lot of the reasons that people say it's not because they're rich or successful or have a lot of influence. I think inherently it's because there is eternity placed in our hearts and we are wired to see emulations of Christ. So everybody universally adores Mother Teresa. And if they don't, we know something's wrong with them. But why? because of the selflessness, because of the sacrifice that she made, because we see Jesus reflected in her. Uh, we could say a lot for a lot of the reasons why people liked Martin Luther King Jr. is because he was, I mean, he was a pastor, or yeah, I believe he was a pastor, not a priest. Uh, he was a pastor. Of course, he did not get everything right, but nobody aspires to be like the Martin Luther King Jr. that had an affair. They aspired to be like the person who was standing up for what was right because he was an emulation of Jesus in those moments. He was an emulation of the Spirit of God. That is what people admire. And that is the problem if we don't critically think about why we like these people. Okay, if I don't think, well, why do I like Jordan Peterson? Well, why do I like this person? Why do I like that person? And it's perfectly fine to not agree with everything that they're saying. I mean, I think that is a huge reason why people are so completely, totally derailed when they go to college. Because now we have a whole group of people who are young, who have these notions. I think a lot of them think, oh, well, I got into college, so I really know what I'm talking about. I really know things. But they don't. They know about things. Socrates says... um, Wisdom comes from understanding that you know nothing. Um, that, that is obviously a paraphrase. And uh, there's a lot of very unwise people in college campuses because they think they know everything. They think, oh, well, I understand what these people are saying. But they don't really. They don't even really know why they believe what they believe. I mean, you can look at, you can get good hard evidence of that by just noticing that 
50% of all the people, this is a made-up statistic, so that's not a true statistic, but 50% of all of the people in college campuses are undecided. They don't know what they're doing. Or if they are decided, they'll switch what major they are four or five times. Very clearly, they do not know a lot about themselves. They don't even know what they are passionate about. So how can they possibly have a cohesive philosophy about life? They don't. They can't because they've subscribed to a little bit of what this guy's saying, a little bit of what that guy's saying, a little bit about what this guy's saying. All of these different people, they have made an amalgamation. And I think that's, I think that's actually natural. Uh, you're finding people who you admire and you're taking them. But the problem arises when they have failed to realize why they're agreeing with that. And then they get completely derailed by these extremely intelligent presenting professors. There's an example of the, the inculcation of, of uh, politics into the university, and I'm taking an economics course. And the professor talked today about what a recession is. And if you have paid attention to the news, there's a huge debate about what constitutes a recession. A lot of people are saying especially people on the right, that a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. But they, uh, the media at large, uh, of course, our current administration, uh, President Biden, does not want people to think that we're in a recession. So they've decided to change the um, definition of what a recession is. There's been, a, I'm not an economist, I've just started this economy course, uh, but a lot of people have been talking about, uh, and you can actually find um, citations that say a lot of economists have used this definition to define what a recession is. Okay, uh, you can find actual articles and, and previous interviews that economists have done that say that this is what recession is. But they've decided that that is not what it is. And I, I honestly, I don't know what it is. But what I do know is if that has been a, a working definition for a long time, why has it changed overnight? Okay, that, that seems fishy. Like I said, I'm not an economist. I just started an, uh, an economy class. But on the second day of the class, the professor decided to clear the air and say that two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth is not a recession. And then he gave some reason, which may or may not be true. I don't know. I'm going to have to look into that for myself, which I plan to do, actually, shortly after this episode is over. Because I want to know who to believe, who is right, who is wrong. And that is what is missing. I hear one argument, and I hear the other argument, and I say, well, I need to look into this for myself. And that is hard work. I think that's primarily one of the reasons why so many people don't do it. They just grant that this person knows what they're talking about because they have a PhD. And that it's not an extremely consequential idea when it comes to what a recession is. But when it comes to people who are taking philosophy classes, people who are taking biology classes right now, and biologists are talking about the difference between sex and gender. If you're taking a sociology class and learning that, oh, if you are white, you are evil. If you are black, then you, are, you, uh, you can't do anything for yourself. You have to be helped by the government. We will give you all these problems because of what white people did to you 200 years ago. You are no longer capable of fending for yourself. I mean, just think about that message to somebody. And if they don't actually have a form, firm identity of who they are and the inherent value given to humans by God, and they don't really know what they believe 
why they believe what they believe if they have this hodgepodge of ideas who talk about these things that sound important, but they have not wrestled with the ideas themselves, they have not tested the spirits which they are accepting, then it completely derails them. They have no idea what to believe anymore, let alone why they believe it. They don't even know what to believe. And that is why we have to reclaim critical thinking. More importantly, I think one of the best bases to do that is reclaiming Christianity because we know that when we are Christians, we have a firm identity planted in Christ. And it is that identity, it is, uh, it is that identity that we have to base everything else around. Our, the philosophies that we live by have to be based on solid ground. That's, Jesus talks about that all the time. It's also something that Paul exonerates us to do when we're talking to our fellow brethren to use words that are edifying for the need of the moment. Edifying is building up an edifice. An edifice is something that you construct a building around. Uh, a synonym for edifice is actually a cathedral, which is, I think, a beautiful use of language there. We're to build a cathedral with our words. When we're talking to people, it should only be edifying. We have to create these edifices on which we can build language, and then because we build philosophy around language, that's where we go out of. So it's extremely important that we re-Christianize the world, in my opinion. If you're not a Christian, then before you begin to listen to all of these quote-unquote influencers, you have to create a solid ground on which you can live your life off of. You need to wrestle with the ideas that are presented to you because they're not just ideas that are inconsequential. They are philosophies and they are spirits. And you can, if you don't believe in that sort of stuff, then you can take that as a non-literal word. I choose to use that literally, literally spirits, but they are figuratively spirits or aka consequential ideas, I guess you could call them. Ideas have consequences just as words have a soul. And you have to think about which ones you are accepting. And I think you even have to accept uh, and, and decide if you agree with the motivations with which they are presented to you. I don't always agree with Joe Rogan's motivations. I like a lot of what he says. I like not even 50% of what he says. 40% of what he says I think is pretty cool, pretty legit. But I have to accept the spirit with which he is giving that information. I have to accept and I have to agree with the spirit from which they come. And if people aren't doing that, it, it, it builds not an edifice, it builds a facade. And those are dangerous because they're at risk of collapse. So that's what I had for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed that. I know that was probably just a lot of me ranting. Uh, so I apologize about that if you found that off-putting. Uh, but that was something that I think uh, was a burden on me. Because I've been noticing it as even, I'm only three days into college and I've already noticed it with a lot of things with my economy professor. And like I said, I am actually going to investigate um, the, the history of what classically a recession has been. And uh, who knows, I might even consult uh, my professor about that. And if I find that he has come up with this just uh, spirit of the age, quote, definition of what a recession is, I'll probably confront him about that. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, remember, go buy Philosophical Bean Coffee. It's delicious. It will not make you smarter, but it might inspire you with its deliciousness to think about things differently. Um, go learn something new. Go learn something real. 
Share the show if you've enjoyed it, and I'll be back next week with some more Food for Thought.